When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, did you know that they uh, closed Loveland Pass because of snow this weekend? What is Loveland Pass? Loveland Pass is uh, the way that they used to go over the mountains before I-70 had the Eisenhower Tunnel. And so now it's also the way that trucks with hazardous chemicals have to cross, um, well, ahead of the Eisenhower Tunnel so that they don't blow up in the tunnel and kill everybody. Okay, so it sounds like winter is officially here if they're closing down a mountain pass. Yeah, yeah, and there's two scary areas that are open already. Uh, Keystone opened up this past weekend, and Arapahoe Basin, which is on the other side of Loveland Pass, also opened up. So we are heading into full-on winter here in the northern hemisphere, and so we thought it'd be fun to do what, Tommy? We thought it would be fun to talk about the affordable all-wheel drive vehicles on the market today and how you can, you know, buy a little bit of safety and security for not a huge amount of money. Yeah, with a caveat, of course, that a lot of these are unobtainium, but they'll come back. So while perhaps you can't go and buy one right now, if you hang out a few months, I'm sure that the supply chain issues will mitigate and you'll be able to go get these cars or you can get them actually we bought a pretty inexpensive little uh, runabout for your grandma just because we were able to get it at a sticker believe it or not but that's a whole different podcast okay so should we dive right into it nope we're not gonna dive right into it oh we're not no we're gonna talk about the vehicles that we have at the office and we're gonna do a quick five minute review of each of them and this week has been electric car week here at the office and if you're into electric cars uh, check out uh TFL Car on YouTube, uh, where we did a little drag racing with four cool electric cars. We drag raced the uh, um, Mini SE versus the uh, ID4 all-wheel drive versus uh, the new GT Performance Mach-E Mustang, of course. I say that with air quotes. And uh, the Taycan uh, uh, Cross Turismo. So I have a question for you. Hmm. Why do you keep saying Mustang with air quotes when referencing the Mach-E? Because it's not a Mustang. A Mustang to me, you know, first and foremost has to like like roar and have, uh, you know, big old two-wheel drive VA power. And this has four-wheel drive electric power. Sounds like a very boomer definition of a Mustang right I'm there. Just, I'm just saying, you call it <laughs> anything else but a Mustang. Well, you, you, oh, whoa, hold on. Before you say boomer, what is your dream car? Well, it depends on the day of the week. You, you Come on, you want like a 64 or 65 Mustang. I do. I do really like the old Mustangs. And, and, and I agree. How, how, and how many batteries were in that thing? Um, one. <laughs> exactly. Probably lead acid. But 
I think it's important to remember that in the 21st century, maybe the definition of Mustang has changed. Maybe it can be a family hauling full electric crossover. How, how, many, how many doors were in that thing? Once again, it does the do- the number of doors doesn't matter. I think what made the Mustang cool is it was perf- affordable performance available to the masses, and maybe that's what the Mach-E is doing right now. It's, it's bringing affordable electric performance to a wide number of people. Lee Iacocca is cringing in his grave. Lee Iacocca, if it's making money, Lee Iacocca is happy. Is he alive? Or? No, I think he passed away. Did he pass away? I don't mean to. I don't mean to disparage Lee Iacocca. Yeah, I think he I, passed I, away. But I think Lee Iacocca would be happy about anything that makes money. So um, I would say if Maki is selling a lot of units, then more power to him because it's it's cool. I mean, it's like you could either buy something such as a Ford Escape or a Ford Edge, but why not get something that's sporty, that's going to be quick. That's, uh, you know, got an unbridled mode. That's pretty exciting. Anyway, in that uh, video, uh, we did stumble across something that was weird and strange, and that is, um, according to Ford, the uh, Mach-E Performance GT is supposed to do 0 to 60 in about 3.5 seconds. Uh, And the final race was, of course, the base Taycan Cross Turismo. When I say base, I mean not the two-wheel drive, but the base four-wheel drive. So if you're not in the Porsche world, it goes uh, Taycan, uh, Taycan 4, Taycan 4S, Taycan. Uh, Turbo Tycon Turbo S. So this was a, this was as 105 as tested. Thousand dollars was a base unit. If we had the all-out Turbo S, it would have been a much more interesting race. But we didn't, uh, and um, we were lucky enough that one of our viewers uh, actually brought the Mustang uh, because Ford, for some reason, forgot our invite <laughs> to the GT program. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, what we found out that was interesting when we did this race. Uh, and the way that we do the race is we're trying to have fun and be informative, right? So the fun part is the drag racing, but the informative part is we set up the solo DL and we get zero to 60 times. And unlike regular combustion engine cars, uh, electric cars are actually not uh, affected by being at a mile above sea level. So uh, it makes for interesting um, reviews because all of you guys can also then, in a way, uh, understand that what we're getting here is the same that you'll be getting at sea level. In fact, we might be getting quicker times if, if a golf ball travels farther up here. Anyway, uh, what we found out was that after doing multiple runs, 0 to 60 runs, the Mustang actually slowed down substantially. So what we thought was interesting is um, we have this GPS performance timer called a Solo DL, and we were kind of moving it between cars as we would race them um, against their own little brackets. And the uh, the final bracket was Tycon versus Mustang, and I had the Solo DL in the Porsche. I got a 4.850 to 60 in that race, which the Mustang won by a large margin. And then finally, the culmination of the video was to put our equipment, our 0 to 60 testing equipment in the Ford, and then do one final run and get that 3.5. But uh, that didn't happen. We were getting actually well above 4.85, which is what the Porsche was getting. So I think that, you know, there, there's a lot that could be going on here, but maybe the, the Ford was starting to derate itself a little bit for longevity. And maybe that's why we didn't see the times that we were supposed to be seeing. So we're well, gonna I, have to we're gonna have to get another one back and do a lot more thorough testing to see if we can well, get that so, number. So I was driving the Mustang because once again it was one of our viewers who brought it. So thank you very much. And we don't want to push the car if it's not ours or if it's not the manufacturer's, right? It was a brand new Mustang Mach-E, uh, and so we didn't want to like. Well, hold up. When you say push the car, we were going as fast as we could. I mean, we weren't holding back on the throttle. You were in um, engaged or unbridled mode, um, seeing seeing how quick you could go. You weren't, like, 
sandbagging it, right? You were you were going all the way to the floor. No, what I mean by push the car, in my head, what I wanted to do was do uh, 10 0 to 60 times in a row, Taycan versus uh, Maki. That's what I mean by push the car. If, if, if this has been our car or manufacturer car, right after that video was done, I would have said, okay, let's go and do 10 0 to 60s in a row, one after another, and see what the, what the time is on each of those and see if it actually decreases from the first one to the tenth one because one of the things that Porsche says is uh, their times do not decrease. Uh, anyway, so I wanted to put that to the test, but because the Maki wasn't ours, I felt that was pushing it. So yeah, we were we were not like you know we weren't babying it. I mean, I was flooring it all the way, but it really what I wanted to do was do that test. And once again, because it wasn't ours or manufacturers, I felt that would have uh, been detrimental potentially to the Maki that didn't belong to us. So did, that's why. Did, so the Taycan we had was called the Cross Turismo, which is the station wagon. Mm -hmm. Did you know all Cross Turismos have all-wheel drive? Yes. As standard. Yes. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I really enjoy that. I thought that was really smart. So Any, Anyway, so let's talk about the times because it was a substantial drop, right? So um, let's say the first, you know, going by my butt time because I didn't have a solo in the in the Maki, I would say it was under four seconds because it did beat the Taycan handily. Mm -hmm. But then the next one, if I remember right, the next 0 to 60 I did was like in the five-second range, which is a substantial drop-off. Right. Especially after, you know what was essentially two acceleration runs. And then I switched it from, uh, uh, from um, I switched it to unbridled. Uh, and then the third one was in the six second range, so it dropped off another second. So now I went from what Ford is claiming is a 3.5 to a six second car. And people saw that, of course, in the video and in the comments, they were like, what the heck? And I felt the same way. And that's why I wanted to do the 10 in a row, but couldn't. Okay, well, we'll have to get another Mustang Mach-E. Maybe we'll um, either buy one or get one from Ford to test. We're not buying one. We don't have <laughs> We just buy one for a test. <laughs> Why not? You, you want to buy a Hummer. Why not a Mach-E? <laughs> yeah, but th that's a whole different ball of wax. Not really. They're yeah. both electric sports vehicles. All One's right. just a little bigger. All right. Anyway, if if uh, if you have one out there, and the problem is by the time we get our hands on one, we won't have a Taycan, and then we got to buy a Taycan, and then we're really Well, why not? Let's buy a Taycan. <laughs> we're going to buy a Taycan, too. Huh? So just really blow the budget for one single test. Yep. I think that's worth it. Uh, anyway, what do you think of the Taycan? Let's do a quick five-minute review. I thought it was phenomenal. I think that the Taycan is probably the best car I've ever driven, and I do not mean that um, over-exaggerating. I think that it is the best car in terms of its bandwidth. It's an incredible cruiser, super quiet. The interior is beautiful, incredibly well-made. It's plenty quick, even in the base for uh, Cross Turismo version. The Cross Turismo, the wagon, has enough room to carry stuff and people, and it's just like one of the most phenomenal, well-assembled, well-developed automobiles I've ever driven. Yeah, now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Taycan, it's been Porsche's first electric car. It came out as a sedan. Now they've done this Cross Turismo, which I think is just incredibly sexy with that taller back end. It just uh, works. Um, and uh, it's got an official range of like, what, 220-ish? But we're seeing more like 250-ish in our in our week with the vehicle. Uh, and it also has air suspension. So you took it off-road. How was it off-road? I did, yeah. So believe it or not, it's, it's an inch higher than the standard Taycan sedan, essentially. And it goes up to about 8 inches, which isn't far off a of Subaru. And it's really surprisingly good off-road. In fact, they did a trip recently with Porsche where they took this exact car and put it on off-road tires. And you'll be amazed where this $105,000 electric Porsche sports car can go because it's... Uh, 
really is a very capable machine. So that that was a ton of fun. But I, I do genuinely mean, I mean, it's a huge amount of money, 105,000, and I can never dream about affording one. But if you maybe want to find one on the used market in a couple of years, if you just have the opportunity to drive a Taycan, definitely do it because it will blow your mind. And it's no wonder that it's selling so well for Porsche. It really has been a big, big success for them. And speaking of taking it off-road, we have to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Onyx Off-Road. Uh, if you guys are out there off-roading your Icons and hope you are. Uh, <laughs> check out Onyx Off-Road. The way that it works is basically you download uh, the map of where you're going to your phone uh, and then uh, whether you're in service or out of service you'll always have um, well trail markings. It's got I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of miles at this point of trails uh, and uh, I think if you use a code TFL you get 20% off. Very cool. Um, so um, yeah cool car. Uh, my only criticism in addition to that would be I think the infotainment's a little fussy. Like this yeah. morning I, I accidentally uploaded my whole phone book to the car and these are loaner cars and I really don't want to return a car to the next journalist with my phone book in it. Not that there's anything that pressing in it but nevertheless you know your home phone number, Tommy, probably is not great to have in a car. Uh, so uh, I uh, I tried and tried to figure out how to delete the uh, phone book and how to delete my phone. I couldn't do it. I gave up. After like 15 minutes, I gave up. I had to have Zach, Zach do it. And he finally, you know how he figured it out? Yeah, he put the th- pushed the three little dots, right? No, that's not that doesn't work. He had to Google it, actually. Okay. So what you do is you do uh, in the thing, in the, in the you know, infotainment screen, you do basically... Um, uh, it the, it the, doesn't honestly that phone, it, I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that up, that but there's no like delete, right? It shows you the two phones that are hooked up, and it shows you whether they're Bluetooth, whether it's got Apple CarPlay. But there's no way to delete. So how do you think you delete it? You click the three little dots. And no, that's delete. that's how you get to that screen by okay. clicking through that. Um, to be honest, Dad, I'm not sure. There's no delete button. You got to swipe. There you go. Okay. But there's nothing that it's says swipe. Like an swipe. iPhone, you just go whoop, swipe but, to the. But there's nothing that says. There's no clue. Like you got to swipe. So Zach had to Google it. So it took us like a half hour to figure out how to delete. Anyway, it's fussy. It's fussy. All right. So let's move on to the next one. That was quick five minutes. The other car we had in the office was the uh, Volkswagen ID4, and this time we had the all-wheel drive, which is uh, good for uh, winter cars. It's not affordable, unfortunately. Do you remember the sticker on that thing? It's. I think this one was about fifty-one thousand eight hundred and four dollars. So, so what do you think of the ID4? I think that the ID4 as a vehicle is a pretty phenomenal thing to drive. I really like the chassis. I love the interior design. I think that the powertrain is super sorted. So this is the all-wheel drive. We had, the, I think, the Pro S. Yeah. So it's got a motor in the rear. It's got a motor in the front. The motor in the front is 107 horsepower. Combined output about 300. This little thing hauls butt. You know, it's it's really is a pretty quick vehicle, especially at altitude. I think it would give any GTI a run for its money. Um, if you want to talk about fussy, though, the infotainment system would prevent me from buying the car because I found it to be incredibly laggy. I personally don't think that it's all that intuitive. I know a lot of people enjoy it. I really hate the touch-sensitive controls below that, for example, like um, the, the temperature sliders. And everything in this car is piano black for touch points. You know, it, was, it wasn't all that long ago, like five years ago, that uh, Cadillac came out with Q, right, their haptic touch interface system and everybody hated it I mean everybody hated it with a passion and here we are five years later and everybody's copying them in terms of the manufacturers it's like they don't learn anything right it's like haptic is the way to go it doesn't work when you're in a moving car right it's hard to hit something because you're always hitting bumps or steering or something and yet all the manufacturers are going to it Uh, and you're right in the Volkswagen it's probably one of the worst executions of that Uh, I find it I find infotainment to be extremely important in a car. Once upon a time, you know, car 
was based on how well it accelerated, on how well it turned, on how well it rode, on how comfortable it was, what size it is. Now probably all of that is below the infotainment and Volkswagen just is not nailing it with this one. And you're right, it, it's a shame because it's a really good car, but it would also keep me from buying it, unfortunately. I think the interior design is phenomenal. I really like the seats. I find that it's got a good amount of room. I think the range is plenty adequate. The charging is pretty darn good. I think it needs to have plug and charge like the Mustang Mach-E. Electrify America is a, you know, more or less related to the Volkswagen family. And it's funny to me that Ford has plug-in charge, but Volkswagen does not. Don't really understand that. But the all-wheel drive one is significantly better than the rear-wheel drive one. I really enjoy the way it drives. I like the pep to it, and strongly recommend it if you're looking for this kind of small, mid-sizey crossover electric vehicle. And let's kind of dive deep. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's easy to say, well, I wouldn't buy it because, but but let's define what we mean by it being problematic. So there's a couple of different criteria you can use. First. There's kind of how quick it is, right? If it's laggy or not. How long does it take from the time you touch the button to the time you get to where you're supposed to be going? Uh, and that's one of the issues. It's it's not. It's it feels like uh, uh, the code is getting in the way of the processor. Then there's kind of the jumpiness of it. You know, does it actually is it flowing? Is it easy to? Does it does it does it does it gracefully go from one screen to another? These are just kind of the the aesthetics of it, right? Uh, then of course there's the most important one. How intuitive is it? How easily can you figure out, for instance, to turn on your heated seat when there's no real button for it? I think it is pretty intuitive. From an intuitive standpoint, I think it's pretty good. It's the other user experience involved with the, the jumpy, screen. the laggy. Right. That's just it's just a real bummer. The only, I also think there's some silly stuff like the reinvention of the rear window controls, and that it only has front window controls, and you have to click a button that says rear to lower the back windows. Although apparently you can push and hold that rear button, and all four of them go down. But it's just like give me four window switches. It's a four-seater car with four windows. Why do I have to? engage a separate mode to put down the back windows. Yeah, Volkswagen certainly has enough money to put four window switches instead of two in the car. Uh, it just seems like, uh, you know, but let's let's get beyond that part of it. I also kind of feel like, in a way, the design is a little, um, well, like, like, they're, like Volkswagen's channeling their inner Toyota Camry, right? I think they could have they could have gone and made it a little bit more futuristic. Uh, I do like the lighting pattern uh, that that is across the front where those that light lines up. That there's that kind of that long diagonal, actually horizontal line that lights up and then uh, illuminates the the Volkswagen logo. But beyond that, it's just it's just kind of a uh, a box with you know a cool light on it. I think it's not so bad. It's not. It's not. It's. It's look. It's not bad. It's clean. Uh, it does have Volkswagen's kind of uh, design language, but I wouldn't look twice at it if I saw it parked at the local grocery store. Or if I had it, it certainly wouldn't be a car where I would like shut the door, walk away, and then turn around and admire it. It's just not that kind of a vehicle. Like I said, I th feel like they're kind of channeling their inner Camry. It's hard to express how important Volkswagen thinks this car is for their success in America. And they really do think that this is going to be kind of the future of the brand. So, um, I mean, they really did put a lot of money into developing it, and it does feel special. It's just it's got some kind of fussiness that detracts from the driving experience, which is otherwise very good. So um, ID4 is an excellent car. I just wish that the infotainment was a little bit more user-friendly or um, a little bit quicker to respond, I should say, to inputs. I, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like what they did was they, they, they said, okay, we're going to make it electric, which makes it unique. And they're right about that, right? And they were going to put some kind of, you know, funky uh, design language on the interior. Uh, we're going to, you know, put the play and the pause button on the brakes. But there's more to, like, good design than kind of that. It, it's got to be more of a holistic 
And, you know, the thing about electric cars, Tommy, I think, is it allows a manufacturer to completely rethink what a car could be or what a car should be, right? You can get rid of the entire grill because you don't need that big radiator because you're not cooling an engine. So I, I kind of wish they had just gone and rethought it, right? And, 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 you know, we can have this conversation with you guys and with us, but why not a frunk? Why didn't they bother to put in a frunk? It's one of the it's one of the cool you know features of an electric car. You can have storage in the front and in the back, and yet this doesn't have it. And, well, and, and a lot of the Germans, it's not just Volkswagen, right? I mean, Mercedes now and BMW don't even allow you to open the front anymore. Yeah, but I think I mean that's rethinking the design the wrong way. Do you way. really need a front trunk though? Yeah, you really don't need a front trunk. Yeah, that I have to say, in the what three four years that we've had our three Teslas. I think I've seen you use a front trunk maybe once. Never once did we go to a grocery store and you actually put the groceries in the front trunk. You always use That's the because back. That's the, because the Tesla has this incredibly deep... Volkswagen has it too. In Volkswagen back, has... Where you, could, where you could throw oh, your yeah. stuff. But I, I have... Like yesterday, I used the front. Uh, for what? Uh, for the vacuum I bought for the office. Weren't you in the 911? Yeah, but I used the front. Because there's no rear trunk. Of course you're going <laughs> to use the front. And that's a silly argument. I actually, I agree with Volkswagen on this. People give it heck, and I actually gave a heck in the past for not having a frunk, and now I do not care, because I realize that all this time driving electric cars, I never, ever, ever open the front. The, like I was just driving the EQS, same thing, it doesn't let you open the hood. And there's no reason to. Why do you need a front trunk? All right. Well, I, the I disagree. The trunk is huge. Have you seen how big the trunk is? I disagree, Tommy. I'm, I'm like good engineer and give me as much storage space because the one time you need it, you won't have it, right? The one time you're going to go cross country with two other friends and that extra bag does not fit in the back, you're going to want the trunk. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, uh-oh, no trunk. That trunk is enormous, Dad. I can, I can almost guarantee whatever you want to put back no, there. No, I'm saying you go for four people, you put all their stuff in it or go to the airport, you're going to need the trunk. But the front trunk on like the Taycan it's is like, so you know, small. It's kind of, it's, I mean, what make, are you going to put in the front trunk? You're the argument for not having a spare tire, which is grand until you need a spare no, tire. No, that's like, not like, true. I, like 99.9% of the time, you don't need a spare tire, but that one time you do. The spare tire, I, is complete, I agree, is completely ridiculous. You need a spare tire. Not having a separate little cubby in the front, eh. Hummer EV doesn't have a spare tire. What? Hummer EV doesn't have a spare tire. That's a massive problem. That <laughs> is unforgivable. For, for an off-roader, you're, you're not okay with that. I'm not okay with okay. that. No, I can deal with not having a place to put my charging cable. All, all I'm saying is you've, basically what you have, let's, let's talk about like the skateboard, right, which is what an electric car is. So you've got a skateboard, which is you know two wheels. If you've got all-wheel drive, two relatively small motors in comparison to an engine, right, an combustion convention engine. Uh, and then underneath a bunch of batteries. So I, I understand I was talking to the GM guys and I said, you know, how hard was it to put in a frunk in the EV? And they said it was actually harder than you think. I was talking to the chief engineer sure. at L. And he said, you know, what happens is all these other engineers, and there's a lot of other things that you need in a vehicle. Like all these other engineers say, I need this for whatever, right? For some other functionality of the car. And quickly, the easiest place to put that is under the hood. And he said, if I wasn't watching it, the next thing I knew is I wouldn't have had a frunk. It would have all gone away. But the Hummer EV needed a frunk because they had to put those glass um, panels that are in the roof someplace, right? So they didn't want to not put them someplace. You couldn't put them in the bed of the, of the truck. So that's what the frunk had, was used for. So he was like, yeah, the engineers were like quickly eating up that space. I'm just saying, if you're a good engineer, you'll package it in such a way that you will create as much usable storage for the owner of the car. And I don't buy this like, hey, uh, you know, you, you don't need it or only use it one or one time out of 10 or, out, or some other stuff. 
good engineering allows for as much storage and as much utility as possible. I'm just going with that. All right. And, and, and uh, you know, like the BMW where you can't even open the hood, right? Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Why? Because then what are you what are you going to service on your the last, BMW iX the, under the, the hood? The last vehicles where you couldn't even open like the the hood, right, is a McLaren where you have to go and actually go to the McLaren dealership, and that to me is just you know going down the road of the right not to repair. Okay, right? It just right. becomes the, the car. You're no, I'm, just, so you, I'm, you I'm spend, leasing the car from BMW at this point. You spend one hundred twenty thousand dollars on a BMW iX, yeah, and you're going to want to go under there and do a yeah. coolant flush. Yeah, you yeah. know how many times I've seen you change an oil in a car? Never. I've never seen you change an oil because your argument is always like, and you know how to change an oil, but your argument is always like, I'd rather pay someone else to do it because it makes a big mess and where do I put it? And why would you, why would you want to go service your own electric car? What are you going to do? First of all, you have high voltage I'm just cables. Saying, I'm just saying, why not put a frunk in there so I can put stuff into it? If te- Once again, if Tesla can do it, you know, and let's face it, they're the leader in this, then B, you know, BMW coming back and saying, not only will we not give you a frunk, but we won't even let you open it. Uh, is just it's it's not a competitive advantage if anything in a very um, interesting marketplace it's a competitive disadvantage if if i were your mom right let's say i'm just picking our joe car buyer and i could buy two cars that directly compete in price and one i could open the trunk and frunk and have extra storage space i'd go for the one with more space i'm just saying that that's a, that's a competitive advantage in, in most people's book i think that if you ask mom to open her hood in her car She'd have no idea how to do it. But it's it's a frunk. It's not a hood. It's, it, but it's, it's the storage same, space. same process. It's, it's storage the same space. idea. She would never think about using it. Right. I, I, I really do think that the whole front argument is kind of silly. And I also think, too, if you want to talk about right to repair, open up the hood of the ID4, everything you need to service, right there. You don't have to yeah, remove. Yeah, because it's missing a frunk. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to remove another panel to get to the stuff you and need you're to right. service. Look, I w- I'm not going to go into, like, if I see those orange cables, that just to me right, says, yeah. do not come near me. I, don't, I do not want to be messing with high-voltage cables. To your credit, there's not much to service on an EV anyway, so... I, I personally don't think that it's a big deal. All right. Well, we've kept them waiting long enough, Tommy. Uh, let's go talk about some uh, inexpensive four-wheel drives uh, that you guys might be thinking about for the winter. Obviously, if you're places like Colorado, it's very important. If you're in places like Florida or maybe California, not so much. But nevertheless, even if it rains in your state, which it probably does, <laughs> then having all-wheel drive or the security of it uh, is a good thing to have. Or if you want to go, let's say, on a dirt road somewhere, or if you you know get, fl- get caught in a mud slide or you know one of those hurricanes you guys have in florida which sure cause all kinds of grievances it's nice to have all four wheels driving the car wouldn't you agree i i do agree but i will say if you are in the boat where you can either afford all-wheel drive or snow tires skip the all-wheel drive and just buy the snow tires because an all-wheel drive on all seasons is no better off than a front wheel drive on snow tires yeah because you gotta stop you got to stop and turn, typically. So uh, that, that's what gets you. There's, so There's those three things to that, right? Going, turning, and stopping. And all-wheel drive doesn't help with the latter two. Don't buy all-wheel drive as an excuse for not getting proper winter tires. I, I noticed that you've got the uh, good old Jeep Renegade up there. So let's start, let's start with that quite. It's been around a while. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's Jeep's, I would say, entry level. It might not be their entry level. The Patriot might be more entry level. But the Renegade is certainly... Patriot? What do you mean, Patriot? What about it? What are you living in 2009? Patriot's been compass. dead for like. Sorry, Compass. Oh, the no, compass. Com- compass is more expensive. Is it really? The yeah, compass of is course. More? Yeah, the Compass is more than a Renegade? Yeah, Compass is bigger. 
Okay. So uh, Renegade is the. I wonder. I wonder if the Compass has actually less room than because the Renegade's got a lot of room in interior room, especially. No, I think Compass is bigger in every dimension. I'm not saying it's externally not bigger. I'm just saying internally. I think it's bigger inside really? too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, so we got the Renegade up there. So that's their entry level. Uh, how much does it start at? It starts at twenty three five eighty. But of course, there are front wheel drive Renegades too. So you're going to want to spec the all wheel drive model. And there's tons and tons of different trims. And we just started here to show you that yes, you can still buy an affordable Jeep. Now this is not you know Wrangler levels of no. capability. No, it's kind of a Fiat. Oh, this is interesting. So the Sport, the base model, is only available in four by four by four. Isn't that sweet? Huh. So. For wow, 23K, I didn't know that. You get four by four. Twenty-four nine eighty-five. You so get 25. four wheel drive. Wow, we're gonna get cheaper than that. That's that's not cheap. Well, you'd be surprised. It's right. hard to get affordable all-wheel drive cars. I can think of two others that. All right, anyway. All right, uh, what, 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 what's yeah. next? What's well, what's let's your... talk about this. Uh, we've driven lots of Renegades. Uh, they're fine, you know. I mean, they're they're cute little uh, runabouts. Uh, if you love the Jeep brand, and you you probably are paying that Jeep tax, right? That's why it's twenty five k because you are paying extra for having the the off road worthiness, whether it has it or not. <laughs> I'm sure the Trailhawk has it, but the base one probably isn't all that off road worthy, uh, as at least compared to a Wrangler. Uh, then you know, it's it's certainly. Uh, it's got it's got a lot of um, character and a lot of style. It was jointly developed with the Fiat 500, uh, so it's got a lot of European flair to it. I do not like the nine-speed automatic. I don't think it's particularly good. Yeah, they, they kind of didn't. Um, didn't and get I don't that right. I don't really like the engine very much either. Um, but you're right. If you do want something that's kind of boxy with a little bit of flair, the Renegade might be a good option. I mean, the problem with a lot of these entry-level cars is uh, there's a lot of cost cutting. So like the interior is kind of a sea of black. A lot of, you know, relatively non-quality plastics. But but they give you a lot of cool kind of like little quirky things. Yeah, they do. They give you a lot of Easter eggs and the maps and the... You can get some funky fabrics, so you can break it up a little bit. In the base one, it's going to be a sea of black with kind of big plasticky uh, dials and very, um, you know, very kind of basic seats. Uh, cloth seats. It's it's not it's, it's you're not going to wow anybody with it. It does have um, though a terrain response, so you can kind of twist a knob to dial in the Renegade on whatever kind of terrain you're driving over. Yeah, it kind of fakes it though, right? It doesn't have a low range, so there's a button that says low range, but basically it locks it into what first gear or something like that. I don't think any of the cars on our list are going to have a low range. No, no, they won't. But I'm saying it it, it fakes it with, with sure, the right? If you want a real uh, capability, you have to get a Cherokee Trailhawk or like a Wrangler. So what's next on the list? Uh, let's go to the least expensive, uh, I think, four-wheel drive in America, which used to be the Ford EcoSport. EcoSport. EcoSport, or do you say EcoSport? I think it's EcoSport. Well, either way, Eco or EcoSport. Uh, I think those start in the eighteen thousand dollar range, but they may be more now. Starting at twenty grand, I think that we can go cheaper than this on all-wheel drive. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll try. So let's talk about the. Echo Sport, uh, Eco Sport, whichever way you prefer. Uh, it's a car that is definitely built to a budget uh, and is uh, built. I, I kind of feel like it's a car that was built for India because that's where it's built and they decided to import it to America. Now, the good part about the uh, car is that it uh, is actually styled very nicely. I, I like the look of it. Uh, but that's where my like for this car kind of ends. So, 21735 with uh, all wheel drive on the Echo Sport. That's got the two-liter four-cylinder. Uh, there's also a, a one-liter EcoBoost if you want front-wheel drive, because we're talking all-wheel drive. That's the one. This is probably one of the worst cars on sale today. 
and I would strongly recommend not buying it. I think quality is very low. I think that the interior is probably one of the worst interiors. No offense to any of our Echo Sport listeners out there, but maybe used it's a good car. Maybe it's a good car for students, but... Oh, it's it's kind of a nasty thing to look at and drive. I actually and like the look of it, Tommy. You like the look of it? I think it's okay. I think sty- I think styling is its is its best quality. But it, 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 it would ter- if you did a list of the uh, worst new cars, this would certainly be on my list. Uh, it, it doesn't, you know, in terms of driving dynamics, it's underpowered. Uh, the braking isn't confidence inspiring uh the interior is a sea of plastics uh especially if you get the base unit uh you get the really tiniest of screens i mean it doesn't get much tinier than this thing uh and uh um yeah it's kind of uh it feels like i say it feels like they built it for a different country brought it in here uh because they needed something to compete in that small uh all-wheel drive space right the, 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 i think that's exactly what they did no i think you're spot on it's uh it's a car i want to say they build them in brazil or something no i think they build them in india really is it india i'm pretty sure it's india um you can google it but yeah I'm pretty I'll, sure. I'll, I'll look it up I, but you could be right i um not there's anything wrong i'm not trying to dis. you know tata is out of india they build a lot of really great vehicles including land rovers but uh, this is not one of them Originally built in Brazil by Ford of Brazil since 2003, at the Kamakari plant, the second-generation concept was launched in 2012 and is also assembled in India, Thailand, Russia, and Romania. There you go. So it's a world car. Although you can get it with a spare tire on the back, which I think looks fantastic. So <laughs> get the one with the spare tire on the back, and then it's a really good car. Okay. All right. Let's move away from this little thing. What? I think I can think of one cheaper. All right. What's that one? The Subaru Impreza? I think the Impreza might be the most affordable all-wheel drive vehicle you can buy. Let's see. 2022 Impreza. Let's check out the pricing on this puppy. Starting at 18795 of course, with all-wheel drive standard. Boom. Boom. Uh, I wouldn't get an Impreza. Uh, if you're going to go, just, you know, take out the bigger loan and get the Crosstrek. Uh, the Impreza is basically a lowered Crosstrek. Uh, and uh, it's a it's an economy car. The, the, the issue with all these cars is, I was thinking about this, Tommy. Would I rather spend 20k for one of these new, or would I get something a lot more interesting that's a couple years old uh, that I could spend the same money on? And the answer is, yeah, I would wait. Like if you're gonna get the the, the Renegade, I would sooner get like a five-year-old Wrangler. I'm just saying. For me, personally, I think you're going to get the same amount of off-road, uh, on-road ability, and you're going to get a lot more off-road ability. Uh, and the problem with this car is, I guess if you're looking for basic all-wheel drive um, to get you to work that has a warranty, this is certainly one that that is uh, doable, but is there any joy in driving this? At least with the, so we had the Crosstrek, right, uh, with the smaller engine. Uh, and let's face it, it, it was not the, especially up here at a mile above sea level, it was not the peppiest of vehicles to drive. But at least it looked cool. Uh, you know, the seats were comfortable. The interior was rather modern. Um, and uh, it had a lot of utility. Uh, this, to me, is just, just screams like basic transportation. So I think that the issue with your argument is what you just uh, said, and the reason I would maybe consider getting a new car, even if it's not as exciting as a used one that's depreciated, is the warranty such a big deal. Think about the number of people that just want their car to be covered for the next three, five, seven years um, and don't want to have to deal with any of the repairs. So I think that is a huge argument for going new. And actually, if it was my money, I would get an Impreza over a Crosstrek. 
I don't really see the appeal of the Crosstrek of the Impreza. It's the same basic vehicle. You're going to save several thousand dollars by getting an Impreza. It's probably going to drive better because it's lower to the ground. You can still get it with the manual transmission. Um, sure, you're probably going to... It's the worst manual transmission. It's a five-speed. It's a horrible... It's it rubber. Works. Every, you know, people... So people are nostalgic now for manual transmissions, right? Because they're going away. There's so few of them left. But there were just as many horrible manual transmissions as there were good ones. You know, you said I was driving the 911, and this is an 87 911 that, that we bought uh, earlier this year. Uh, and that, it's got the G50, and that is a joy to drive. I love driving that just for the manual. I mean, it is so satisfying. It's like man and machine is one, right? To feel that thing click into gear, to feel how uh, mechanically pure and uh, um, it's almost a religious experience driving that that manual this on the other hand which I've driven is a horrible it's I mean if you want to define rubbery and imprecise and uh, slow and dim-witted and like like you know frustrating this would be the transmission I would pick it's not a 911 transmission but it's also an $18,000 car and for that I think the five-speed is Phenomenal. I would just, it's better than the CVT. Have you driven it? There was, I, I, I went on the launch and that was the only car. I know. That, I, was, I, that was the only car where I would have actually recommended, it was so bad that it was the only car where I would have recommended this one uh, and the other one, the 500L. They both were so such horrible manual transmissions that I would recommend the CVT over a manual. So I just drove a uh, older Forester with the um, manual transmission. Grant has a five-speed manual. Right, but it's not that transmission. It's I think it might be similar. I don't think so. Because I remember you hated that one. Too. It was the same rubbery five-speed, and trust me, shifting your own gears is better than the CVT. Not not when it's like like imprecise. Like I'm not going to go through this it list works. of adjectives. It works. I guess it works. It's, it's not like you're missing gears. <laughs> It's not a 2CV transmission, Dad. Like, you can find no, all the gears look, pretty look, quickly. Look, there, a manual transmission can do one of two things, right? Actually, do, do three things, but it could do one of two things from a driving perspective. It can make it engaging and fun to drive, or it could be like an unin unintuitive uh, infotainment system where it gets in the way of driving, and that's what this five-speed does. So, personally, I would definitely get the Impreza over the Crosstrek, in my opinion, because even though you get additional capability from the ground clearance in the Crosstrek, uh, the base model still has the same 2.0 uh, four-cylinder, or yeah, 2.0 liter four-cylinder, and I don't think it's going to provide a lot of off-road capability anyway. So can you even get it at the hatchback? Yeah, you can have it. In the Absolutely, hatchback. that's the one to get. Yeah, so the right. base, the, the cheapest one is a sedan, but the five-door Impreza. How much is the five-door? Nineteen thousand. So twenty k. Yeah, what a value. I really like this thing. I have friends that own these, and they just absolutely uh, love them. And the other thing with Subaru is it's a little tinny, if I'm being honest. It's a little... It's I'm a being It's a 19... You shut that door, and it's like, ding! It's an economy car for $19,000 with all-wheel drive. Yeah, what it are feels you like it. It's a good car. I don't know why you're taking a dump on my Impreza. I think because, it's... Because I, I like the... Actually, I like the Crosstrek. And, you know, if I was driving an Impreza, every time I saw a Crosstrek, which would be about every 30 seconds here in Colorado, I'd be like, I bought the wrong car. No, I'd look at that guy in the Crosstrek and be like, why are I'm you like, sitting so high for capability you're not going to use? I'd be like, I bought the wrong car. Why are you sitting so high for capability you don't use? I'm getting better fuel economy and it drives better. Oh, God. Boom. Boom. Argument <laughs> over. No, there's this. I win that one. There's this argument between, like, your head and your heart. And my heart definitely wins this Your argument. heart is saying, you know what I want? Some plastic cladding slapped on the side of my car. My heart is saying, I want the cool 
kid car, not the dorky kid so car. So you can add some plastic on the side of a car, give it an inch more ground clearance, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it not going to agree with you on that one. It actually goes off-road. It has cooler goes wheels. It goes off-road. Those wheels are horrible. The base. Those, look, those, those wheels look like the, the kind you go to, like, advanced auto O'Reilly's. Well, and buy the those, hubcaps off. Buy those terrible hubcaps to stick on your, you know, ugly steelies. And, and the first... Time you hit a bump off road, they're gonna fly off and run ahead of the car. The Impreza starts. The cross trick starts at twenty two thousand. Yeah, it's worth every penny. It's Four thousand penny more. It's worth every penny more. Uh, no, I, I would take out a loan. I would do sell. You know, sell my. I don't know whatever I have to sell just to go up to the cross trick. I don't know what the resale value difference is. A cross trick would probably be a little better. I would say, Tommy. I would say that. That like this is one of those examples in the automotive world where you've got the same bones, but the two cars are very different. Yep, and the Impreza is better. <laughs> yeah, right. I uh, know, genuinely. I mean, right, the Crosstrek well, is fine. Let's, let's not, let's you not. can also get the bigger engine in the Crosstrek if you want to spend a lot of money. But this is affordable all-wheel drive. Let, let's not let's not bicker. Let's let's go on to the next one, which is brand new right now. Um, of course, Toyota had the CHR, which was available as an all-wheel drive car in many places, but not here for some reason here in America. They only brought in the two-wheel drive, so they felt like in this entry-level crossover segment, they needed something to compete. So what did they create? The 2022 Toyota Corolla Cross. Yeah, Nathan went and drove it recently. Yes, he sure did. And the Corolla Cross uh, starts at $22,000, but of course, that's um, two-liter front-wheel drive. You have to go to two-wheel drive, all two-liter all-wheel drive if you... Uh, you know, want that snow capability, that's going to bring you up to $23,495. So now you're directly competing with the Crosstrek. Right. Right. So you're... Price-wise. Yeah, price-wise, you're directly in Crosstrek territory. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of the uh, Corolla Cross? I think it's good. I think it's a Toyota, so it's probably going to last till the end of time. I think the design is really pretty special. I think they did a really nice job with the design. Um, it's it's uh, kind of an attractive little car. I'm pretty excited about the Corolla Cross. Yeah, I am too. You know, I, I didn't get to drive it. Nathan uh, was on the program. He came away impressed with it. You know, once again, you know, it's it's going to be basic transportation with not, you know, necessarily a lot of like flair to it. Uh, but as a new kid on the block, as a newest kid in the segment, I think I think it's uh, it's a good little car, uh, and I think they're going to do very well with it. What's the? Is it a CVT? Yeah, it's a CVT. None of these cars are going to be very. Very, you know, high performance. But keep this in mind, too. Both the Subaru and the Toyota have very decent safety tech, right? Yeah. Um, t- you know, uh, Toyota kudos, crossed their line. Yeah, kudos to all the Japanese and Asian car companies that are actually now uh, including, um, well, in, with the case of Toyota, it's their latest safety sense, right, where yep. you get things like cross-traffic alert, autonomous braking, stuff that I think uh, is incredibly important to keep people you love and yourself safe in the car. So thank you, guys. For doing that, maybe it's competition and not not good hardness of the manufacturer. But either way, uh, it's definitely well worth the price of admission. So let's go to the Honda's entry level car. In this case, it's the HRV. What do you think of that little guy? I like the HRV. It's yeah. fine. It's getting a little long in the tooth, um, and I'm not a huge fan of the technology in it. But uh, starts at about twenty one thousand and some change for the little HRV. You know, not a very ruggedized vehicle, but, but certainly. If you, but if you go, is it twenty one for the all wheel drive or is it probably front wheel drive? Let's yeah. see what all wheel drive starts at. Yeah, but your all wheel drive is probably going to be like the Corolla Cross. And I don't think like any it. of these prices include destination. Yeah, so you're going to be paying twenty two nine for an all wheel drive. HRV. Uh, good looking car though. A little compromised on rear seat headroom because of the sloping rear roof line. Um, and certainly not as maybe rugged as your cross trick that you love so much. But I, uh, I do think that it's a very, very potent vehicle. It drives nice. It's got that Honda precision driving experience that you come to expect. And it's probably going to be pretty long lived. 
Yeah, I got to drive it around. I believe it was where was I at? I was somewhere on the East Coast. It was a fun little car, you know. I mean, it's once again, once again, I think it's a CVT, right? Yep. If I recall right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, you unfortunately because of uh, cost cutting, maybe or fuel economy reasons, all these cars have CVTs. So there is one car that's coming up on our list that doesn't. Uh, but I would personally, um, you said the Crosstrek, which I love so much. I love the Crosstrek, according. Uh, uh, as opposed to the Impreza, I don't love it as much to buy. Um, you know, I might, I'll tell you the car that I would buy in a second out of this out of this list, and you probably know what it is. Yep, uh, right behind me. No, it's in, not the Kicks. Well, the, not the Kicks. So in the Nissan lineup, you can't buy a uh, a Kicks in all-wheel drive. So the the Kicks is the so you, drive. the Rogue Sport. The Rogue Sport. No, it's not that car either. Rogue Sport, baby. No, not the Rogue Sport. It's a fine. These are all look. This this is like arguing like you know what's the best flavor of vanilla. <laughs> it's, it's all kind of is the vanilla bean? Is it you know? Is it is it like you know? Uh, Barrel churned vanilla. <laughs> the, it's all the same. The Rogue Sport. Vanilla. Rogue Sport is kind of expensive. I think it's like twenty five, twenty six with all wheel drive. Mm. So I would probably avoid the Rogue Sport. Um, it's also kind of a dreary thing to drive. Um, it's got a nice interior. It does have a nice interior? Yeah. Yep, and it does offer pretty decent tech. So, so those are two good things about it. But what was the one that you wanted to? You haven't guessed. No, what is it? It's a Hyundai. What's a Hyundai? Uh, the the um, the Kona. The Kona. All wheel drive. That's the one that I, I I would buy in this group of cars. I think it's one of my favorite. Uh, and of course, I don't. I forget what the Kia version of it is. Oops, that's the Venue. The Venue is only two wheel drive. We just bought that from my the, mom. The uh, the Kia version is a Seltos. Yes. Remember, we drove the Seltos. I th- I thought out of all these, they're the ones. It's like the vanilla with the chocolate chips in it. It's the one that's got the most character. How much is a Kona all-wheel drive? I think it's going to be like 25K. SE, ooh, 21 starting. Let's click the all-wheel drive bubble. I I hate to say it, but I hate the nose on the new 22 Kona. I think it's kind of cool. I think ooh, it looks... It does not work for it me. It looks like a predator. Everyone, it looks like a catfish. Did you, use the, did you ever see the movie Predator? Am I dating myself? Yes, the movie Predator is what everyone thinks that the Lexus grills look like. Uh, it looks a little and bit. that is not an attractive look, by the way. The, I'm just saying The this. Ma, no, I do not like the new... Fr- I love the old Kona. Um, but this refresh model kind of looks how like much, a catfish. How much for Twenty-two the, six fifty for the all-wheel drive. Yep. So it's not only you know a fun little car to drive, and I think what makes it uh, unique is the uh, it's got the um, I think it's a nine-speed if I remember right. Um, Dual clutch no, maybe. It's no, not a CVT. It is a CVT. Uh, you sure? I think the base model is a CVT. Yeah, I want to say it is. Let's find out. We'll do some digging. We'll. I'm pretty sure because I think you have to upgrade to the turbo if you want the dual clutch. If you want the tool, so maybe maybe I you know I drove the turbo of course, which was cool. I drove the uh, Kona 2.0 and I loved it. Um, I, I really thought it was super super good. So what what what's the transmission? Transmission. Oh no, you're right. Six speed auto. Yeah, there it is. Six speed auto. That's that's what it was. I knew it wasn't. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Very very cool. So, so there you go. That's why that's why I love that vehicle because you get away from the CVT, which makes you know driving a car about as much fun as going to the dentist. Uh, and um, did you notice the drill uh, reference there? Did you get that? I, so no, I was not paying attention. I apologize. I'm sure our, re- our listeners and readers. Whoever, whoever's out there reading this podcast slash video got it. All right, how, how about the uh, Seltos? What do you think uh, of the Seltos? I think I like the, the design of the Seltos more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, remember s- we drove that in uh, – where did we drive that? Where were we at? I don't remember, but I, I just, just – remember were, were you with me when we were at that, like, farm and there yeah, were there's ostriches? Yeah, there was a mean and, ostrich that attacked yeah. everybody. Yeah, that was the Seltos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Love the little Seltos. Um, very similarly priced. Um, intelligent all-wheel drive. Intelligent variable transmission. I didn't know that. So I guess the base Seltos has a CVT. It has a CVT. Is that right? That's why I was going to go up the corner. That's weird. Is that? Am I screwing something up? I don't think. I think it was a CVT. Yeah. Okay, maybe. Hmm. And then I think there's a dual clutch option. Maybe. Oh wait. You know. We you know what they did. I think on the 22 Kona they gave it a CVT for the 2.0. Did they? I think that's what's going on. Anyway, let us know in the comments below. I still like the design. I still like all the features. You know, both Hyundai and Kia have this way of uh, giving you a lot more for a lot less. Uh, and that's what I like about them. I also think that their quality has come up. Uh, and uh, in the latest, uh, you know, customer satisfaction surveys, they both rank very highly. So um, if you're going to go for a small all-wheel drive car, I think you can't go wrong with either the Seltos or the Kona. They also have really good technology, too. No, I think it's a six-speed auto. I'm sorry, this is really bugging me. Okay. I have, uh, I don't I don't know why I'm having so the... much issues trying to figure <laughs> out the CV. I think it's a real automatic. I'm going with that. Final answer. Okay. <laughs> I should know that off the top of my head. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. Um, but the Seltos, I think, looks a little bit better. Um, I also feel like it's a little bit more rugged. So I'd probably go with the Kia over the Hyundai. But they're both excellent vehicles to purchase. So moving on um, to another brand. Let's talk about Chevrolet. Oh, God. Blazer? Nope. What's below the Blazer? Boom. Tracks. Oh, the tracks. Yeah, the tracks. Boom. Yeah. Look at that puppy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a rebadged uh, Korean car. You know that. So would you buy it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Why not? Uh, yeah, just not my cup of tea, dude. How much is it? Um, starts at 24-ish with all-wheel drive. I would actually skip the tracks altogether yeah. and get yourself a Trailblazer. Yeah, oh. I get the Trailblazer. I think if you're going to go with the Chevy, I know the name doesn't match the car because the old Trailblazer was a big old American SUV and the new one is a small crossover. But it's actually really good off-road. We took it off-road. I was surprised by how good it was off-road. That was one of those cars where I was like, dang, this thing actually has off-road capability. Yep, so, you know, 24-ish with all-wheel drive. You get a little baby three-cylinder or is it a four? Um... One of them's a three and one of them's a four cylinder. And I really like the little Trailblazer. I know it, it, people are upset that it, oh, it's got the, the Blazer name attached to it. But for what you get, I felt like it was a phenomenal value. Really pretty good to drive on the road. Surprisingly good off-road, like you said, especially if you get the active trim. The thing's kind of a little beast in the dirt, which is hilarious. And love it. Like, I know not a lot of people like the Trailblazer, but um, definitely go test drive one if you're in the market for an affordable all-wheel drive car because it's way better than you'd initially suspect. And I think it looks pretty cool. I really like the front end with the, the split headlight running light design. Kind of like the Kona. But there's more, Tommy. There's one vehicle here. All right, we're, since we're kind of having each other guess, there's one vehicle here that we haven't talked about Yep. that I would probably buy over all these vehicles that is all-wheel drive, that is brand new, uh, that is in the same price range. The problem is, you know, well, the problem with all these is getting them. But let's say if they were available at the dealership, this is the, probably the one I would go for. Uh, do you know which vehicle I'm talking about? It's the Volkswagen Taos. No, it's not the Volkswagen Taos. Let's, let's talk about the Taos. The Taos has this, the Taos has, a, is, actually, I like the, okay, here's a, here's a scoop. We just drove the Taos. Here's a scoop on the Taos. Uh, Good-looking vehicle. Um, certainly, uh, you know, the most spacious of all of these, I believe. I'm, I, you know, I'm not going by scientific, but out of my, you know, butt-o-meter, 
it was incredibly roomy, like the next size up roomy, except that like the transmission and the engine are like, you know, me and you bickering at our worst. They do not get along. Uh, and in fact, they do not get along to such an extent that it makes it almost uh, tricky to drive. Yep, but it is a turbo. It is a turbo, but like the, the, the two don't seem to talk to each other. Like, like the, the, the turbo lag is horrendous, uh, almost going back to like the, the Saab days, the bad old Saab days where you would like actually count to like 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, and then somewhere between 3 and 4, 1,000, the turbo would kick in. Yeah. Like, like, you're, like you're merging out of the highway, you floor it, and you're like, oh, my God, there's a semi coming up. Where's that semi? It's right in my area. Boom, there it goes. So four motion with the um, 1.5 and the 7-speed DSG, which is the trans you're talking about, uh, $26,235. But what's the car that you wanted to mention that I interrupted you Well, about? you said the wrong word. What? You said car. What is it? There's a vehicle that's not a car. Oh, the Maverick. Exactly. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, why don't you go to that one? Because I think that would be the one that I would pick at this moment. Mm. I think it starts at, the hybrid starts at 19,000, right? It's the cheapest hybrid in America. But if you add four-wheel drive uh, to a base Maverick, I think you're looking at like $23,000, if I remember That's true. And it's a pick-em-up truck. Yeah, FX4, yeah. Uh, Two-liter EcoBoost. So, uh, and then you have to spec all-wheel drive. You're right. Um, I do like the Maverick. That is an interesting choice. They really kind of changed the game with this Maverick. How they were able to get it so affordable is pretty pretty awesome, I do have to say. Yeah, so if it were my money, I would definitely get, I would definitely go for the Maverick over all of those just because I think you're going to get not only a big cabin, but, of course, the utility of a pickup truck. Uh, and Ford does good pickup trucks. Uh, as much as I hate the EcoSport, uh, this one is is certainly, you know, one of their star vehicles right now. True that. Uh, and yep. so you, you can get all-wheel drive, you can get the utility of a pickup truck, and you could get uh, something that nobody else has on your block because they're brand new for, like, 23000 If it wasn't for, of course, uh, let's call it the uh, interesting dealer tactics where they're adding on. We just had a, a guy who emailed us who was looking at a Maverick, and the dealer added up a $3,000 market adjustment. Uh, once again, I'm using air quotes here because, um, you know, uh, that's the way it is right now. I do. That's a good point. I didn't even consider that because it's not a car, but that is probably one of the best values out there. And, and by the way, if you guys uh, want uh, to send us pictures of cars that are at a market adjustment, we'll be happy to put them over on TFL Car or TFL Truck and, you know, uh, let people know which dealers are market adjusting them and which aren't. I think that's a community service we could certainly provide uh, because, you know, we, we want to help you as much as possible. And it's good to know which dealers are, are you know, playing dealer shenanigans at this time and which aren't. I think that's a fair thing. So uh, you're over at the Mazda side. What about the Mazda? Yep. This would be my choice all the way uh, if I was looking for a brand new affordable small crossover, the CX-30. So starts, you know, low 20s with all-wheel drive are going to be at, you know, around 24 grand. But I think that it is one of the best driving cars in its class. The interior is phenomenal. The exterior design is beautiful and elegant. And I just love the CX-30. Even though in this price point, you're not getting the turbo, it still is a great thing to drive. It drives like a, almost like a, a, a sporty hatchback. Yeah, Mazda's always the answer if you're an enthusiast. Oh, it's just great. I really like, the, once again, the infotainment system is not my favorite. I actually think it's pretty hard to use. But, but from um, a quality and a driving perspective. Yeah, it's just great. Yeah. They really do a good Style job. perspective, yeah. How much is it though? You always pay a premium. Twenty-four, six twenty-five. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, twenty-four. It, it's a little tight. It's a little small, but it's, it's a little small. It, you, it's not a CX-3. This is a CX-30. Keep that in mind too. Right, but it's still a little small. So I think that the Mazda would um, would probably be my choice. So would you get the Ford? Is that what? Is that your final answer? I get answer? the Maverick. Yeah. 
Oh, that is an interesting one. I do think that the Maverick is is a very cool, very cool little trucklet, and um, I would consider that as well. But I think just because of the way the Mazda looks and drives, that is going to be my my choice. Now we didn't, of course, go into like the Germans, uh, except for Volkswagen because they're much more expensive. So if you're looking at premium ones, then you're probably in the wrong. Uh, segment. Uh, There's some other weird ones we didn't talk about too. So like we focus mainly on crossovers because that's what's really selling and popular. But you can get all-wheel drive now, like in a Camry. Yeah. You can get all-wheel drive in a um, in a like an Altima. You get all-wheel drive in a Prius. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm looking at right here. Check this out. The uh, the Prius 2022. Uh, it's a very interesting all-wheel drive system because that's it's. That's a good way of putting it. What, what do you mean? Interesting always means anything but interesting. It is an interesting all-wheel drive system. It only works like it only sends like what fifteen horsepower to the rear wheels or something. Look, there's a picture of it in Moab. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, Doesn't it only fifteen horsepower to the rear wheels? It might, might even be less than that. I think yeah. it's ten. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, and it only activates from like zero to forty-five miles an hour. But it does mean that you can take your Prius. Uh, into harsh environments that you couldn't before. Because on paper, it's not a very impressive all-wheel drive. I'll grant you that. Um, I think it's actually seven, if I remember right. It's a seven-horsepower rear-mounted electric motor that powers the rear axle. But it's enough to get you unstuck out of, like, a snowbank. It's enough to help you propel yourselves up the steepest, iciest kind of hills in your towns. So um, 27,145. Electronic on-demand all-wheel drive. Certainly incredibly fuel-efficient. 51 um, city, 47 highway. Pretty good. You know, this segment is exploding right now. And what was the first car in the segment that we tested now? Like maybe it was almost like eight or nine years ago. In the all-wheel drive hybrid segment? In the, in the all-wheel drive small crossover segment. Oh, the SX4. Exactly. Very good. Yeah that, yeah, that was the very first car. And ever since I tested that, which actually had a locking center diff. I just had a locking center diff button. I've always thought it'd be fun to buy one. And we went and looked at one, actually. And then we drove it. And it was just a really boring little car to drive. But it, it certainly heralded the way for all of these vehicles. Maybe we should buy an all-wheel drive Prius and put one of those lift kits on it. Now, there's an idea. Yeah, there's that's certainly an idea. What a great idea, huh? How about a, how about a base uh, Countryman? Is that too expensive? Mm, that's going to be like 30 k yeah, right? Yeah, it's going to be like probably low 30s. Yeah, you're not going to even come close to... Um, oh, well, we forgot the, uh, how about this one? Okay, what? What do we forget in our last few minutes before we say adieu? Yeah, yeah, that's an, I didn't forget it. The Fiat 500X? Yeah, I didn't forget it. I think the market forgot it, but I didn't forget <laughs> it. It's fine. It's like, it's basically a renegade. <laughs> I mean, if you want an Italian Renegade, get the 500X. Don't get the L. Run far and run fast, but that's only front-wheel drive. I don't know if they still make the L. I, I don't know if you can I even think get, it's just 500X and Are there even Fiat dealerships left? Uh, I mean, how many cars are they selling now? Three? <laughs> not many. Yeah, there's, you know, there's the... Uh, yeah, not many. If you want to get a Fiat... If you want to get... If you want... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, the Abarth obviously is a lot of fun, uh, but... Uh, I, the 124, is that still? I think they stopped selling that now. No, it's still on the website. I don't know if it's discontinued, but it's still on the website. Yeah, it's 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 a brand that's certainly struggling. Certainly struggling. Yep, yeah. that's right, Dad. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, if we've forgotten something that, that maybe you know you want to put on your list, I know I picked one pickup truck. I, I don't think there's any other mid-sized trucks you can get for that cheap that are four-wheel no, drive. No, not low 20s. Uh, no, you're probably no looking way. at high 20s at, at some point if, yep. you get a, if you get a new Frontier or... Or Ranger or any of those. Yep, Certainly not, right. you won't touch a Tacoma for that. Um, let us know in the comments below. Uh, and as always, if you want to get 
All of our videos, podcasts, and news, go to tfl-studios.com where we have everything. You can add it to your phone like I did. Thank you for our friends at thank you to our friends at Onyx Off-Road where um, you can get uh, really great maps. Uh, we get emails all the time, people asking us. We just got one this weekend. Where do I go off-roading? Yep, check out Onyx. It's got all the trails listed and out. And they're rated. Easy to use. Yeah, they have a team that goes through and rates them all. So pretty cool stuff. It's very consistent as well. Uh, but we'll see you guys next time on another episode of TFL Talk. Yep, see you next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.